Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hello, and welcome back to Brand Week, the podcast. My name is Al Manorino, and I'm a senior producer of the Adweek Podcast Network. On today's episode, we are traveling back to Miami for the first of many main stage sessions we will be presenting exclusively on this feed over the next few weeks. Kicking off day one of Brand Week 2022 was a conversation between AB InBev's Global Vice President of Marketing, Culture, and Creativity, Ryan Vaskewer, and Anne Marinovich, CCO of Adweek, who speak about how AB InBev has cultivated a culture of learning and creativity that puts people first and drives growth for the business. We hope you enjoy the first of many sessions from Brand Week 2022 and come back every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes leading up to our Brand Week Europe event happening this November 9th and 10th. Thank you and please enjoy this special Brand Week conversation. My name is Anne Marinovich and I'm Adweek's Chief Content Officer. I am delighted to be here this morning for our very first session to kick off what I know is going to be an amazing week of insight, inspiration, and connection. I'm joined on stage by Ryan Versker, Global Vice President of Marketing Culture and Creativity at AB InBev. Today's theme of Brand Week is the Game Changers. There is no better person or company that exemplifies what it means to be a game changer in 2022 than Ryan and AB and Bev. Ryan, welcome. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on being the Can Creative Marketer of the Year. Uh, and we have also recognized AB and Bev as one of our brand genius honorees this year. Um, you have received so many accolades for what is truly an incredible marketing transformation um, that you have led at AB InBev over the last five years. Um, what? Tell us about that marketing transformation um, and what what sparked it. Uh, well, thank you, and good morning, and good morning, everybody. Uh, it's exciting to be here back live in person. It's mm -hmm. great to be together. So. Really, and this has been a, a five-year journey, so it started in sort of early 2018, I would say. And, you know, our company had developed, after many years of M&A, a very strong reputation as being brand buyers, but not necessarily brand builders. And we realized that without much acquisition runway left for our, our group, the only way to really grow was to focus on organic growth. And to do that, we really had to do this transformation into true brand builders. So our marketing leadership team got together in early 2018 to really debate what, what, what would this transformation look like? What were the key things we were gonna focus on? And very early in that conversation, creativity was one of the key things that came out. And we knew from numerous studies that creativity is one of the number one drivers of effectiveness. So we knew that this was critically important for our business, but we also knew we were starting from a position of relative weakness, to be honest. 
So if you looked at the walk rankings in 2018, ABI was ranked 42nd. Uh, in the FEs, we were ranked 24th. So this is not something we did particularly well, but we realized that this was going to be something we had to do very, very well. And I think one of the things to, to really stress is that creativity is a decision, right? It isn't something that's going to happen through osmosis or through hope. You really have to decide that you want creativity. You have to demand it and make sure that you are living that every day. And I think that that was the meeting that we decided that this was important and that we were going to do everything we could to make all of our brands and all of our teams around the world treat this as something that is very, very important. And everything we've done since then has been as a result of that decision. And so how did you start? So you, you, you weren't doing this very well. Yep. Um, you knew you had to make a change. Um, tell us what did you do um, and, and what did you have to actually implement to bring an 1,800-person marketing organization along for the ride. So you, you've hit the nail on the head, right? Ambition is one thing. It's great to say, we're going to do this. This will be great. Uh, how do you actually systematize that now across an organization of 160,000 people, 1,800 marketers, 500 brands, to get everybody pulling in the same direction throughout? So uh, we really try to focus our efforts on this transformation around three things, putting people first, then focusing on processes, as well as our partners. So when, when we talk about putting people first, the main thing that we did, the first thing that we did was create this culture and capabilities team, which I now lead. Some of you might remember Jody Harris. She originally kicked that off uh, in the US. And that team's primary responsibility is to champion this change around the organization, to really embed a culture of learning and creativity. We also started our own in-house uh, creative agency called Draftline, uh, and that brought creative skills and creative people and new people into the heart of our business that we hadn't had before. And it also gave us the ability to really uh, interact with consumers and culture in real time and become much more agile on the ground. So that was really important. And then the third thing under people was what we called our marketing academy. Very early on, we launched an academy. Uh, and the goal of that really was to upskill our entire marketing group. So not the usual model of sort of cascade and we pilot, et cetera. We went full, you know, full bet on this. And we said, we need to transform this. Everybody in the organization has to do it. And we all have to build modern marketing skills very quickly. So those are the, the three things we focused in putting people first. But then you need a system. You need some kind of operating system to make this work. And our operating system is called CreativeX. And there's a few elements within CreativeX, but the ones that really made the difference. First is something called a creative spectrum. And I'm sure a lot of you and a lot of your agencies will have some kind of rating scale. And at its simplest, that's what it is. But what it gave us was really the ability, particularly for more junior marketers that are not used to giving sort of objective views on very subjective feelings, it gave them some language, some objective language to do that. And then also because it's a scale, it helped us assess our creativity consistently across the world. So suddenly people are using the same language and the same scores so we can actually measure our progress, which in our company is very important. We also brought the outside in. So we brought some really, really strong top creative minds from around the world to partner with us in two things we call a, a brain trust, which we stole with pride from Pixar, uh, and creative councils. I strongly recommend them if you haven't tried them. But the job of a brain trust is not to approve work, right? It's to improve it. So how do you bring a diverse group of creative people into a room, very early stage ideas, and have them sort of spitball and say, how do we make this better? The whole job is to say, what can be improved on this idea? We don't kill anything. You don't even have to take the advice. The person who brings in the idea decides, right? But it's purely advice from very smart, diverse people. A council is where we actually measure progress. So this is finished work in the world. Are we getting better? And I have a target on that. Are we improving our creativity 
year-over-year, country-over-country, campaign-over-campaign. And then the final thing in this system, this CreativeX system, is our awards. And we're in our ninth year of the CreativeX Gala now. And the goal there, as you can imagine, is celebration. I think that's important. But we also do, uh, we really try and learn from the cases that win. And very importantly, we need to scale some of those ideas, right? Because a creative idea that works brilliantly in Korea could work just as brilliantly in South Africa or in Brazil. Uh, you know, creativity for us doesn't have to mean originality. So how do we take some of those big ideas and then scale them in other places? And then finally, we talked about partners, right? And, and there's no way this evolution could have been possible without our partners. Uh, we'd, we'd had, I'd say, a reasonably good relationship with partners, but we really embraced them through this process. We brought them in, as I said, through some of the, the tools itself, but equally as part of our vision. And we said, this is where we want to go, and we need your help. We need you on this journey with us. And I think that really, for me, was how we made that happen, by focusing first on our own people, then ensuring we had the right processes in place to enable it and then ensuring that our partners were along the ride for the journey. I, I think I love that back in 2018, you really took this people-first approach internally. Um, and I think at that point, people-first was a nice-to-have, not necessarily a must-have. Um, obviously, you know, fast forward a, a few years, and, and the pandemic has really sh shifted that. But you were ahead, I think, when really making sure that you were focused on um, on your people. Um, the Marketing Academy yep. that you built was a big part of that. Um, how did you how did you go about creating the Marketing Academy um, to train your people? I mean, what were the steps? Because I think for for many of us, right, who are leading organizations and wanting to lead through change. Um, the training and bringing your team along mm -hmm. um, is a really big part and can be very challenging. Yep. Um, so, you know, what what did that look like getting the Marketing Academy off the ground? It's, it's a project that was very close to my heart, so I'm very excited to <clears throat> talk about it. I think the first thing for me going in was saying there are two critical ingredients for success before we even start. And I had this negotiation with the CMO. <clears throat> Excuse me. One was he had to be an active endorser, an active champion. So not even a sort of willing participant, but actually front foot championing this. And the second thing is we needed a group of people on the ground who would be able to make this happen because you can't run it from an ivory tower. And then the third one, which I sort of insisted on, was it had to be global. We had to do everybody at the same time, all learning together, because this had to be a cultural movement versus something that someone is insisting on. So a couple of things that we did. First, I wanted, I needed to close the gaps very quickly. Right? I recognized that we had skill gaps, particularly around modern marketing techniques. So how do we close that gap very quickly? I don't have the time to build something in-house. So we looked at external providers. We landed up partnering with General Assembly on this. And what really set them apart, I thought, which for our company was critical, was they had a very um, strong industry benchmark assessment. So going into it, you would actually know where your gaps were by individual, by team, on certain topics. And then once you'd gone through the learning, you could reassess and see, have you actually made progress? And for our company, and particularly for me, I didn't want capabilities to be something amorphous, you know, something that you feel like is working and we think it's helping. I wanted numbers. I wanted to say, right now we're worse than CPG and now we're better than CPG. <laughs> so th that's really where, we're, where it kicked off. And, you know, I was telling you backstage a little bit. It involved three things, which I won't go into too much detail, but online learning is a critical component, right? And I believe... The, the days of gathering people in a room and disseminating knowledge are over. You can do that online. There's no need to sit in a room and all listen to one person, right? 
I think what you need to do in a room is discuss and debate and apply and practice because then the interactions in the room are extremely valuable. So what we said is online learning is where we'll share knowledge. In the room is where we will argue and discuss and debate and inspire. So we really had that combination working. Clearly in the pandemic, we couldn't do it in the room. But what we landed up doing was doing it on Zoom. And as I said, we landed up going global. So the first session literally had 40 people. And it was great. It was a really good session. And the next session, we sort of said, what if we invited some of our my team, right? What if my team around the world joined as well? So that's an extra 30 people. So suddenly we're up to 70 to 80. And then the next session, we said, they said, brand teams would love to come. So, okay, well, let's get the brand teams in. And we got to 150. And we would literally, by the end, or I'd say three months into the pandemic, we were at 1,200 people on every call which is literally two-thirds of our entire marketing organization on one call at one time, all discussing and debating the same topic. And I think what that showed for them is we're in this together. We're doing this as a team. I have an individual role to play, and I need to get better personally, but equally I need to get better so that our team can improve. And I think it was that dynamic that really worked for us overall. We'll be right back with more Brand Week, the podcast, after these messages. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. You, you mentioned the pandemic a little bit, um, and, but curious, you know, what other aspects um, you know, did the pandemic affect what you were doing? Because you started this, you had this lofty goal in 2018 and then 2020 comes and now everyone is, a, is, you know, at home and navigating all new challenges. So how did that change what you were doing beyond, uh, you know, getting more people on Zoom calls? Pretty dramatically, you can imagine, right? I think at the beginning of the pandemic, everything changed. Everything you thought you knew kind of went out of the window. And I think if you think, at least the way I think about marketing, I think we can make marketing as complicated or as simple as we choose, right? And at its very simplest to me, marketing is about three things. It's about deeply understanding people. You know, what are their motivations? What are their desires? What are their hopes? What are their problems? What problems can you solve? Two, how do you use creativity and innovation to solve those problems holistically better than anything that's in the market out there? And then three, how do you deploy those solutions? in ways that are engaging and they, de- they drive the desired change in behavior that you're trying to affect. So really, it's simply that. And the pandemic forced us to get a lot better at each of those three things. So the first thing was now deeply understanding people. So we really applied quite a lot of resource, insight, social listening, you name it, to say, well, how are these things changing? How is people's lives changing? What are the unique problems they're facing? And how do we get under the surface of that problem? So loneliness is a, is a platform, but what, what are the elements of loneliness that people are feeling? that we can try to address. And we launched a platform at the time called Ideas for Good. And the entire premise of that platform was, how can we help our consumers and our societies and our retailers to survive this? You know, it had nothing to do with growth at that point. This was just survival. And literally by deeply understanding the problems, we then created briefs that we would send to the entire company. So upwards of at least 2,000 people would attend And it went to our entire suite globally of creative agencies, entire marketing team, sales teams, distribution teams, you name it. 
and we would brief them. So we would have a one-hour briefing session. We would explain the challenge and the unique insights we had found about the challenge that we thought were good creative grounds. And then we would give everyone four to five days to come up with answers. We did that every two weeks. And I would say we got around 200 to 250 ideas every two weeks, literally. And anybody could give an idea. We literally had a sales rep who creates an idea that, that won a, a Cannes Grand Prix. Oh, wow. So literally, then we would shortlist. Of the 200-ish ideas, we'd shortlist 10 or 15. We would land up giving pilot funding to maybe five or six every two weeks. And then we would let them go. And within a week or two, they had to create a, an MVP, give it a try. If it was working, they could apply for more funding. If it still worked, they could get more funding. And we would look to scale it you know, from city to country, country to the world, et cetera. So it taught us a couple of things. One, the critical importance of deeply understanding people and not assuming that you know what you know. Two, the importance of creativity as solution development. Right? It's, it goes beyond marketing. Creativity is not about advertising. Creativity is about solving problems. And then three, critically, the importance of agility in being able to do that and move very quickly and test and learn and kill things quickly. If it's not working, get rid of it and use that money to pump up the things that are. I, I think that's such an important point about creativity as solutions. Yeah. Um, because I think there's this often default that creativity is about creating ads and an ad campaign. Correct. It's easy. Um, and so can you talk more about that? Like, I just think that's such an important takeaway for the audience. Yeah, with pleasure. We, uh, we felt very strongly. And in fact, it's, it's borne out by the evidence. So last year we had, a, we had a, an even better year at Cannes this year, but we had an extremely good year last year. And last year, 95% of the programs, the solutions that we put into Cannes that won were not ads. They were solutions. So as I said, we, we think of creativity as a means to solve consumer problems and address their needs, not to create ads. Many of these things will have ads or campaigns, but some of them won't. And so what we really focus on is a, is a technique called the job to be done. And, you know, I think what we had done in the past, and this might help some of the people in the room, we tend to have as brand owners, right, very strong brand lenses on the work that we create. So we're like, I need to grow equity. I need to drive awareness. And those are valid. We do need to do those things. But if you don't have a consumer lens on what you're doing, what equity are you driving? You're just telling them about you. So what Jobs to Be Done help us to do is through that understanding of people, that deep sort of real assessment of what people's needs are, it helps us understand the barrier that that consumer has to adopt our product, our category, whatever it might be. And if you can truly understand what that barrier is, I don't drink beer because I find it bitter. I don't drink beer because I think the price point is too high. I can't find it in my local store. If you understand the reason that that person isn't doing it, then you can apply creativity to solve the real problem. And that's not building equity. In some cases, it is. But in some cases, it's like, oh, we haven't distributed in the right areas. Or our price needs to be examined. Or we need to build value into the proposition so that the price is more justified. So I think for us, that's been a, a real game changer, is thinking of creativity as a solutions tool. Because also, that means it becomes that the whole company can actually take part and not just market. And it's creating that authentic connection with your consumer however they need are looking to connect with you exactly right exactly and again putting people first it puts the person that we're trying to speak to or influence right at the heart of what we're doing um so incredible what you've done to be able to really foster creativity um, across your entire organization um i love hearing stories about as a uh, a salesperson coming up with an idea that, that won a can lions. Um, what has this transformation 
meant for the company internally? What has this done for culture? It is, I think one of the things is it's often difficult to, to bring, you know, um, people and your, your teammates along in a, in transformation. So what is, what is this meant culturally at ABI? I, I think that's a, an incredibly important question because I think that's been the biggest game changer that we've gone through, right? If you think about culture, culture can be a little bit sort of abstract, right? So if someone says to you, you need to influence your culture, okay, how do I do that? But if you think about the tangible elements that actually make up a culture, and then you think about how we can make those things really work, then you can turn it into a competitive advantage. So I think in our case, for example, what, what are some of the things that cultures have in common, right? They tend to have common beliefs. So I mentioned this big dream, right? We set this big dream in 2018. We wanted to be the best company in the world at creative effectiveness. So now we've got 2,000 people who all believe this. That's a, that's a first step in culture, yeah. right? Second is a common language. Cultures tend to have the same language. The creative spectrum that we introduced gave people that common language. So now we all speak about creativity in the same way. Uh, common behaviors, right? The Creative X program gave people, this is how we do creativity. This is how we treat it. This is how we work with agencies. The academy gave people common knowledge. So suddenly we're starting to create a real sense of culture. And I think the best part of that is that that started to become self-reinforcing. So rather than specific programs being forced and people feeling like, oh, I have to do this, when it became part of our culture, then it became a flywheel. So as the culture started to take hold, our creative spectrum scores started to improve. So two years ago, in fact, three years ago, we were just below five was our average. We're currently just under seven. That's a pretty dramatic shift when you look at the sort of normative curve of that. Um, so that was impressive. Our partners started to trust us more and, and challenge us with better ideas. So they said, wow, we, we are starting to see bolder work. What if we bring you, you know, some of these ideas we've thrown on the floor because we didn't think you'd buy them. Now they're bringing them to us. Mackinac versus Mackinac. If anyone saw that, that's a crazy idea. Five years ago, we'd never have done that, but now we'll give it a try. Then we started to see consumers saying, actually, these ideas are really interesting and rewarding us both through sort of feedback, et cetera, but really through purchase and behavior, which is what we're trying to do. So our, our business results started to improve. The industry started to take notice and we've received some lovely recognition, which made our teams more confident. And as we spoke about, I think, you know, there's nothing better than a confident marketer to deliver great work. And that just slowly but surely became a cultural flywheel that we're reinforcing and reinforcing. And I hope that we can continue to build some momentum with. Um, I have no doubt you're going to continue to build that momentum. Um, so what's next for ABI? Um, let's imagine that we are back here a year from now on the Brand Week stage. Uh, what will you be telling us? I'll tell you what I would like to be telling. It's got to happen, right? First, first and foremost, I think we've done some really, we've made some great progress on creativity, on understanding people, but, but we're not the finished article. And I think I want to say very clearly, we're, we're very humbled by some of this recognition, but we're not where we want to be. And we are going to continue to evolve and continue to learn every day to get better at applying creativity to solving real problems. And then I think the real step up for us, the next dream for us is to become truly full funnel marketers, right? I think within ABI, what a lot of people don't realize, we actually have an unparalleled suite of DTC and B2B digital products that are literally at our fingertips. In fact, just recently, our Bees platform, which is our B2B platform, uh, we was recognized as being, it's the top 10 e-commerce platform in the world. Literally, we have the top 10 e-commerce platform in the world by GMV within our business. And we have these amazing DTC properties. So I think as marketers, we haven't done enough yet to really lean into some of that digital commerce and those digital products. So I think for us, that is the next big frontier and where we want to step up. So I hope 
in two to three years, we'll be up here talking about full funnel marketing in more detail. Um, well, I would love that. Ryan, thank you so much. Congratulations on what um, has been an absolutely amazing marketing transformation, putting people first um, and look forward to, to watching the future of ABI. So that's it. Thank you for listening to Brand Week, the podcast, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino and John Heil. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. <laughs>